Who will be tonight's early round shocker? Where will these 12 drafters select Alvin Kamara? And can the Joes keep the title on their side for a fifth straight year? Follow along with the live draft board tonight. Watch our pitch, a pick by pick analysis as we call the action from the 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joes Balance is Key number one league to see who's going to win a 2023 FFPC main event squad. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome, everybody. Uh, tonight, it is a very special episode. I want to thank Rob and greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs tuning in tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Tonight, we have the first of six special episodes for you. It's the 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joe's Balance is Key League number one draft tonight. We'll be covering it for the next two hours. Shout out to the chat room right now. If you have any questions uh, for myself, for Farrell, for tonight's guests that are going to be popping on, uh, post them in there. Uh, connect with us on Twitter at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, or at J. Farrell Elliott. Check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFHour is where to reach us. And, of course, the email inbox is always highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We'll get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails, and the fantasy feedback uh, segment. Well, not really a segment tonight because we're going to do it throughout the whole show in the next hour and a half, hour 45, whatever we go tonight. Um, and I'll shout out to our hardworking producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce. As a reminder, tomorrow is the deadline for the 2022 FFPC main event early draft slot announcement. When you pay for your team in full, you're going to get your draft slot on August 1st. And remember that you already have a team. You're going to get $400 off each additional team you add on. Square those balances away and take your shot at an industry season-long fantasy football record $1 million grand prize this year. Let's get into tonight's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before we um, we show you the draft board, tell you who's uh, participating tonight, leading things off in the one spot, it is Daniel Osorio, an FFPC Joe, followed by Mauricio Gutierrez from Estadio, Estadio Fantasy, picking second. Chris Carlson, the tickler himself, at three. Shane Hallam from Draft Countdown is drafting fourth tonight. I don't know why I thought he was drafting tomorrow. He's drafting tonight, hitting cleanup. It's going to be fun. Henry Muto and Jake Wade the FFPC Joe's drafting fifth. Evan Silva from Establish the Run is sixth. Adrian Quintana and FFPC Joe at seven. DraftSharks.com's Jared Smola is going to be picking eighth tonight. David Garcia, another FFPC Joe, followed by Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys at 10. James Kearney, the final FFPC Joe, and the final uh, pro we have tonight, Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill. He will be picking 12th. Let's bring up the draft board right now, ladies and gentlemen, as I bring in my co-host with the most, Farrell <laughs> Elliott, the uh, definitive commissioner of fantasy football, and he does everything right over at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell, we're already into round two, but I got to ask you, 
we're, we're kicking this off. We're going to be doing this six times over the next two weeks. On a scale of zero to 10, how ready are you for this? Oh, I am more than ready, brother. You know, that was a horse that that was the horse that ran in Kentucky Derby a few years ago, finished fourth place with my money on him. And my money tonight, Balky, in our first draft off the board, um, our, our great friend Scott Connor. It, it, it's almost like handicapping War Admiral amongst 11 other horses. <laughs> uh, Scott Connor uh, cut his teeth in Kentucky for the last two years. He was here for the Super Bowl party. He is more than ready to take down this field, and it looks like he's going running backs twice right off the board. He did. Let's get through the first round, the big surprise. I guess you, if you can call it a surprise, um, Daniel Osorio goes with uh, Cooper Cup with the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor goes second. Justin Jefferson to Chris Carlson um, in the third spot. Christian McCaffrey falls to draft countdown. Shane Hallam at the four. Jamar Chase to uh, Henry Muto and Jake Wade in the five spot. Then we get back-to-back tight ends. Evan Silva takes Travis Kelsey. And then uh, Adrian Quintana takes Mark Andrews. Bunch of running backs here. Jared Smola, Austin Eckler. Uh, then we have David Garcia taking Najee Harris. Segment Bloom goes with Joe Mixon. This is the first time, and like, you know, my mind is not what it used to be. But I can't remember that last time that Sigmund Bloom did not take a tight end with his first round pick. But he goes with Mixon here, maybe because the top two tight ends were already off the board here. Uh, Stephon Diggs is uh, James Kearney's pick at the 11. DeAndre Swift to Scott Connor there at the 12. Let's just talk about the first round briefly. Farrell, in an FFPC tight end premium format, one and a half points per tight end, um, obviously things get a little bit jumbled up. As a commissioner of a lot of these FFPC drafts, I've seen Cooper Cup go first overall a few times, but um, but this is always big in pros versus Joes, um, and we see Cooper Cup go with the first overall pick tonight. In your FFPC leagues, have you taken? Have you seen Cooper Cup go first overall at all? No, it's been Jonathan Taylor uh, repetitively in almost everything I've played in. But it's, the drafter here is saying that he's going to go two, three, probably running back, and he understands that Cooper Cup is in the best position to repeat that season. And if he does, he's got a bonus at that number one spot. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out was this. I, you know, I'll look at the ADP. And by the way, shout out to Darren Armani at Fantasy mm-hmm. Mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com. He puts together not only all the ADP that we cite on this show, he puts together the pros versus Joe's each and every year. Mark Andrews, ADP of 112. He goes 107 tonight, Farrell, to Adrian Quintana. Right after Travis Kelsey, I got to believe Quintana was going to take Kelsey. Had he still been available, he says, to hell with it. I'm going tight end anyway. He gets Andrews at the seventh. Uh, You know, Mark Andrews does so many things for this football team, but he continues to catch balls, and that's a fine pick at the seventh. If you want Andrews on your team, that's where he would have to take him because he's sure not coming back to him. All right, so let's talk about Scott Connors' uh, uh, team, an FFPC veteran, a KFFSC veteran from Dynasty and Chill. He goes DeAndre Swift and Dalvin Cook. Pretty solid value on DeAndre Swift because he's been climbing up in drafts, yes. um, and and he gets him at the 112 tonight. Dalvin Cook uh, fell a little bit tonight. Normally has an ADP in this format of the 110. He gets him, obviously, at the 201, so about a third of a round value there. What do you make of the running back, running back start in this FFPC best ball slim format? I think it's fantastic. Swift is the comer at the position. He's the guy with 62 catches in limited work last year, a bigger year forthcoming. Then you take Cook. If you can make an argument that you're going to draft McCaffrey and that uh, Eckler is a top eight pick, why is not Cook amongst those players? Cook is a fantastic pick to start the second round. I don't think Scott Connor had in his mind 
that he would be going running back, running back to start this draft. But he was given a gift, first with Swift and then with Cook. And, you know, his erstwhile partner, Jay Reed, those guys can react on the fly and get off of their plan and reboot quicker than anyone. I'm impressed with this start. Mike Evans, normally the wide receiver seven. Sigmund Bloom makes him the wide receiver five tonight at the 203. He has an ADP of 208. Farrell, this is where I just always envision Mike Evans going as we get closer to the Kentucky main event, the FFPC main event. I just always envisioned that Evans would be going up higher in drafts. And now maybe Sigmund Bloom has started. Maybe he is, with apologies to at Tupacker on Twitter, um, maybe Sigmund Bloom is setting the ADP with FFPC here tonight as he takes Mike Evans at the 203. I think that's a strong pick, even though it's about a half round ahead of his ADP. You can't overdraft Evans, and that's why you love to draft early in the football guys. The football guys are still considered early. If you're going to jump in as a player, it's time to get busy and start drafting because Evans uh, was a value in the third and sometimes fourth round early. He's now going, as Balky says, as you say, he's going exactly where he should go. So you're going to have to get your value from other players. But what a what a fine start to a team uh, with, with Mixon and Evans. There's certainly no complaints about that. This looks like a Kentucky board so far, Balky, as yeah. we look in the second and third round. There's a lot of yellow on this. Yeah, a lot of yellow on the board. A lot of teams loading up on, on receiver here. Derrick Henry going after uh, Sigmund Bloom takes Mike Evans here in the second round. Then we're seeing Devontae Adams. Javante Williams here. Uh, to Adrian Quintana in the middle of the second round at the 206, C.D. Lamb, and then Aaron Jones after that to uh, Henry Mudo and Jake Wade. Kyle Pitts, the third tight end off the board. Kyle Pitts going to Shane Hallam here. Hallam takes uh, Kyle Pitts. He normally goes at the 208. That's about where he went tonight, 209, so I get that. T. Higgins, Debo Samuel, and then your boy Darren Waller uh, coming off the board about a half round early tonight as um, the uh, first overall pick. Uh, team one tonight, Daniel Osorio takes him. Um, Darren Waller is the fourth tight end. I get on, I, I can get on board with Farrell. I, I think I know what answer I'm going to get when you, when I ask you, are you on board with Darren Waller as a late second round pick in this best ball slim format? Darren Waller is going to have a fantastic season. And of course, uh, Mr. Osorio always said that he would likely go running back uh, at the two, three turn. And he, he did not, he did not go running back, but with the choices that the field rely, uh, that gave to him that he's now put with Cooper cup, uh, he's off to a fantastic start. And yes, Waller and Hill um, that followed up the first pick of the third round, Bulky Waller is uh, 90 catches at 1.5. Even in my limited math skills, I think that's 135 points. Tyreek Hill will be over 100 catches for Miami. What a fantastic start. Uh, Shane Hallam, who's picking from the fourth spot tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, said that his, his board went Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and Mark Andrews. He didn't think that he'd have the opportunity to draft uh, Christian McCaffrey at the four, but he gets him tonight. Uh, just lead off his draft. He gets Kyle Pitts in the second, Keenan Allen in the third as we move on to the third round here. Farrell, what do you make of, and, and obviously it's early and I know things can change, but in a best ball slim format, 20 rounds, um, where we have historically seen for best ball drafters in this format to put an emphasis on running backs early, not every single uh, team owner does this, but we've seen a lot of them do it. Only two teams uh, starting off with um, – with a running back, running back start. And that is uh, David Garcia from the nine spot. And then Scott Connor, a pro from the 12, but Scott Connor, yes, he is a pro, but listen, he's got as much experience in the FFPC as anybody. 
um, among the pros this year for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you make of only two teams starting off with a pair of running backs in the first two rounds? You know, the drafts take a life of their own and you get away from ADP. As Tupacker says, if you want an average team, draft to ADP. These guys are drafting their players they like. Uh, a team number three that takes T. Higgins in front of Devo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, Michael Pittman, Allen. These are number one receivers on their club, and I appreciate T. Higgins. I under don't really understand how he, you put him, you insert him in front of these other players, especially with the fact that he's coming off that shoulder injury and uh, needs time to heal that uh, and, and has to uh, – th- that's an injury that's, that can often reoccur and, and come back in the season. I don't particularly – I don't particularly like that pick, however – Everybody else seems to like him much more than I do in that second round. I think he's a better third round pick. What what is this more of a commentary, Farrell, that you prefer de facto number one receivers uh on, on their teams rather than the number two on a an elite offense? Is is that yeah. the way you normally go in this format? And, and the Bengals are always an elite offense, but they have, if you look previously in this draft, they have two first round picks, uh Chase and Mixon, and those are um, elite players at their position, plus you have a quarterback that can move the ball around, and you have a Super Bowl hangover uh, situation. You've still got some questions on the offensive line, and you had a team that got hot at the right time. If we go back to the first few games of the season, uh, Cincinnati was dealing with a, a record somewhere in the neighborhood of 500, So I, I in a very tough division. So I have just a lot of questions about Higgins being a second round. Um, team five is getting some love from, um, the, uh, YouTube chat right now. Our boy Aiden says if Kamara doesn't get suspended and Rogers peppers, Aaron Jones, at targets, he's loving the start for team five, Jamar chase, Aaron Jones, and Alvin Kamara. He's got a pretty strong point here as uh team five is Henry Mudo and, and Jake Wade, the FFPC Joe squad. If Kamara is not, uh, suspended, look at all those targets already. For mm-hmm. Mudo and Wade it, with Team Five in the first three rounds, that's a lot of targets, man. And we're we're playing best ball in a seventeen week season. Is that correct, Balky? We're going uh, yes. fourteen yep. weeks plus three. Yep. Plus plus, plus whatever well, it is. This will just be um. This is like um sort of like varsity format where it's just total points. Total points for seventeen weeks. weeks. Yep. Well, you know, then Kamara, even with the suspension, could be available for two thirds of the season, and uh, that would be a very very happy time for a team number five. Um, let's move into the third round. You have uh, Osario taking Tyreek Hill. Uh, Stadio Fantasies, Mauricio Gutierrez going with Michael Pittman. Back-to-back receivers there, Samuel and Pittman. Leonard Fournette, Keenan Allen, and then Alvin Kamara. Uh, Nick Chubb goes to Evan Silva, followed by A.J. Brown to Quinta- Adrian Quintana. James Conner is the second running back for Jared Smola. I know the Draft Sharks guys like James Conner quite a bit, so no surprise to see him. Um, in uh, the third round going to uh, Jared Smola, DJ Moore after that. George Kittle, Travis Etienne, as we see where he goes tonight, slips a little bit here at the end of the third round. James Kearney is probably pretty happy to get Etienne there, followed by Mike Williams at the end of the third round. Farrell, Travis Etienne, we talked a little bit about him uh, on, on the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer on Friday nights, which you can see right here on the FFPC YouTube channel, uh, 10, 9 Central every Friday. We talked about Etienne a little bit. Are you surprised to see him climb up the boards in the FFPC Football Guys Players Championship, the best ball tournament, and now in pros versus Joe's, he falls all the way to the end of the third? What do you make of that? Now, this is the steal of the third round. And if uh, Team 11 hadn't hadn't chosen him, uh, Connor would have probably started with his third running back. This is a fantastic 
um, ball player that, that, you know, when none of us can wait for this season to start, none of us can wait for what's going to happen in the month of August with our drafting. But I got to tell you, man, there's probably no one that's looking forward to hitting on that field more than Travis Etienne and seeing what he can just bring to football. And my my prediction is that Etienne's numbers will uh, eclipse that of uh, of probably Williams. So he'll, he'll probably outscore Javante Williams this year. Would be my would be my prediction that, that who's going in the the middle of the second round. Um. So you said the steal was the third uh, the, of the third round was Etienne. I look at the pick before that, George Kittle. So I already said Sigmund Bloom normally takes, again, by my memory, a, a tight end with his first-round pick every mm-hmm. year. He gets a top-five guy here in the late third. I think that's a really good value. Now, Kittle, as I look at this, he normally has an ADP of, of 401. You say, well, Balky, that's not that big of a deal <laughs> then to get him at the end of the third. But keep in mind, we saw two tight ends off the board in the first uh-huh. seven picks, and we saw four tight ends off the board in the first two rounds. So to see Kittle slip again, all the way to the end of the third. I think that's nice value for, for Sigmund Bloom then. I don't like Kittle there for the reason that we're a best ball league. And so I'm thinking three tight ends, and I think I can put three guys together later, especially at this 10 position down here on the end, get them at the turn. I think I could go with one of these very elite running backs, one of these very elite still wide receivers, and wait on my tight end position because I think I can uh, put together three guys that would uh, together have a chance of outscoring Kittle every week. Kittle is a great, great football player. I have questions at the quarterback position on just what it's going to look like. And we always have questions on what Kittle is asked to do. You know, he carries that team. He, he's, he's probably my favorite player in the NFL, uh, but he's got a lot of responsibilities out there with the 49ers. So I don't know if success for Kittle means the same thing as it does for these other tight ends, which their success means lots and lots of catches. Uh, lots and lots of catches go off the board in the first half of the fourth round as we get six straight receivers. Marquise Brown to Scott Connor, Cortland Sutton, uh, Sutton to James Kearney, followed by Allen Robinson to Sigmund Bloom. Terry McLaurin uh, goes uh, to the uh, number nine pick. That was David Garcia, Jalen Waddell to Jared Smola, and then Brandon Cooks to Adrian Quintana. We're getting some conversation in the YouTube chat right now about uh, Cortland Sutton versus Jerry Judy right now. Sutton goes off the board um, in the early uh, the early part of the fourth round. Jerry Judy's still out there. And I'm going to say the guy's name even though he hasn't been drafted because, look, these are pros versus Joes. These guys are the sure. crime round. They know what's going on. Uh, Cortland Sutton, though, um, this high above Jerry Judy. Farrell, are you seeing the Denver – uh, wideouts uh, in the same way where you could get on board with Cortland Sutton first and in the, in the early fourth round? Yes, I can, and I respect both players, but Sutton seems to me to be a guy that has shown it more often and shown it more consistently. So I'm, I'm favoring him. Uh, Judy is um, equally talented wide receiver with burst of production. Um, probably if I'm making a lineup, I like Sutton better than Judy. In the best ball, I could flip a coin. Ezekiel, Somebody should draft him very soon. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Ezekiel Elliott goes off the board here tonight. He falls about a third of a round, maybe a half round tonight, as Evan Silva snags him as his number two running back, getting Nick Chubb in the third, Ezekiel Elliott in the fourth here tonight, and then a couple of quarterbacks. Josh Allen uh, off the board to uh, Mudo and Wade here uh, with the – 408 pick and then a our first hookup 
of the night, the stacking of Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen in Los Angeles. Shane's, uh, Shane Hallam from Draft Countdown, make sure he gets that. Cam Akers pairs with Leonard Fournette, uh, third and fourth round here for Chris Carlson. Deontay Johnson, the third consecutive receiver chosen by Mauricio Gutierrez from Estadio Fantasy. And then Lamar Jackson off the board, the final pick of the fourth round, the third quarterback off the board as uh, Daniel Osorio uh, does not take a running back in the first four rounds, choosing instead for a couple of receivers as well as a tight end and a quarterback. When Dave the Dizzle Gerzak used to broadcast uh, this show with me, Farrell, he used to say in this format, well, he did. He only did the slim, the FFPC slim format one year, but he always said it's you can probably get away with an early quarterback. You can probably get away with an early tight end in this and, and still get a lot of success but it's tough to get away with both. In other words, if you want to yeah. take an early tight end or an early quarterback, fine, but don't do both. Osorio does here. What's your philosophy on that of going um, elite quarterback and elite tight end within the first few rounds of this format? It's probably the it's, it's probably the oldest law of high stakes fantasy football, and it depends what the other guys do and um, falling in behind that. Uh, but, yes, the quarterbacks that are in the, available in the double-digit rounds uh, will challenge Justin Herbert on scoring every week. So it was not necessary, especially after going tight end pits, not necessary to get a uh, quarterback here. Uh, with Ezekiel Elliott uh, uh, still on the board uh, at that point in time, is that right, Balky? Ezekiel was still on the board? No. Uh, which one? Uh, El Elliott was off the board. And Elliott was off the board. So is, is Akers, Montgomery, uh, and, and Bryce Hall. Um I think I would have rather had one of those running backs, uh, especially when my lead running back and my only rostered running back so far is Christian McCaffrey. We don't have to talk about his history, but you understand why you need a couple of extra backs in that situation. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can play catch up with some of the backs that are available. But they're beginning to thin out. The, the guys that you want to count on for a potential 20 carries – uh, they're beginning to thin out, although the Bay Area still has two guys that are uh, that are undrafted and looking for a home, and they're just one of them. Uh, yeah, you are correct. As we get into the fifth round here, let's talk about the first pick of the fifth round because it's getting uh, some YouTube conversation going on right now with um, Osorio taking David Montgomery over Brees Hall. Um, our uh, friend, the Louisville legend, Aaron a. A. Ron Laser, is uh, talking with our boy uh, FFPC Aiden about the Brees Hall versus David Montgomery. They both said there's no way I could take David Montgomery over Brees Hall. Farrell, do you see that in a similar way as Hall should have been the pick over Montgomery for Osorio there? You know, it just depends on what you think about Brees Hall's landing spot. I've seen people in, in uh, Dynasty that didn't necessarily want part of him based on where he was. I don't see both. I don't see either offense uh, hosting those running backs. Um adding much to their game. Montgomery has been a significant contributor as we move through the season. I think he is, I think he is the clear um, bell cow running back for the Chicago bears. Hall um, shares time with a, with uh, Carter in a backfield when Carter's came off a pretty good year last year. So I, I don't know. Fantastic players. It's understandable that they go back to back and, I think it's a little harsh to say there's no way you consider Montgomery overhaul there. 
Um, speaking of back-to-back, back-to-back receivers go off the board after Hall is chosen by Gutierrez here in the two spot. Gabriel Davis to Chris Carlson, and then Shane Hallam takes Darnell Mooney as his number two receiver. Dalton Schultz off the board to Mudo and Wade. He is their number one tight end as they follow up that Josh Allen pick with Dalton Schultz. And then, as Aiden said in the YouTube chat, an angel gets his wings because Travis Kelsey has been stacked with Patrick Mahomes by EstablishTheRun.com's Evan Silva. He gets the Kelsey Mahomes stack there. Will he add some Chiefs receivers to go with that stack? We shall see as the draft unfolds. Jerry Judy finally goes off the board to Adrian Quintana at the 507 tonight. And then the number five quarterback in tonight's draft is uh, Kyler Murray, and he goes to Jared Smola. Elijah Mitchell to uh, David Garcia is his number three running back. I believe he is the first team with three running backs tonight. We'll see how that unfolds with how he attacks the receiver and tight end positions going forward. A.J. Dillon is the number two running back drafted by Sigmund Bloom, followed by Rashad Bateman uh, to James Kearney. And then we end up with Jalen Hurts, the final pick of the fifth round by Scott Connor. Jalen Hurts, uh, Farrell, normally has an ADP in the FFPC best ball contest, which is the same format as this, although you're – you know, it's weird. So let's, let's, not in, let's not get into Jalen Hurts yet. Farrell, if you were in pros versus Joes, where, reminder, only one team will win anything. Right. So you get second place, third place, you get nothing in this. First mm-hmm. place gets a main event entry next year to the FFPC, $1,900 value. How do you weigh drafting versus 11 teams where you have to finish first versus drafting against, you know, a thousand plus teams in the best ball tournament where you're trying to win a $200,000 grand prize? Is the strategy similar or is it a little bit different for you? I'm going to be a little more conservative if I only have to beat 11 players, especially if I look across the board and see that uh, that I see some holes in some other lineups and I see availability of players. I would not have I would not have taken Hurts there. I I would not have made that move, and then I I wouldn't have followed up with uh, with matching his tight end. I don't necessarily think that's. I don't necessarily think that's a winning choice, but I don't hold Hurts in the same respect that a lot of fantasy drafters do. And, you know, he is a, he, he does have a resume put together and he is coming into a pivotal year as a quarterback. And, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I can understand it. I wouldn't have done it. I would, it would make me very uh, pleased to be these other teams uh, without a quarterback that I could get a position player and wait another round on a quarterback. I, I think, uh, I think that's not the move I would have made. So let's talk about um, Hertz and Goddard here. Mm-hmm. The, the hookup with, that Scott Connor gets here. How important is stacking to you, Farrell? Because we've already seen Herbert and Allen uh, paired up with Shane Hallam. Uh Evan Silva gets Mahomes and Kelsey here uh, tonight from the sixth spot. And then Scott Connor getting the Eagles uh, uh, stack with with Hertz and Goddard. How important is stacking in this format when you have to beat eleven other players? Absolutely fantastic. I think that's going to be the key to winning here. And the most interesting stack that you could put together is probably the one out of Kansas City because even with the fact that we've seen Smith Schuster go off the board, there's still a good mix of wide receivers, and we've already got a Kansas City stack moving. Um, uh, with Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, the, the Philadelphia stack is less intriguing uh, because of the type of offense they run, and he's certainly got the two players there uh, that we're going to stack. Uh, 
I, I see um, that the opportunity for a, uh, a Ram stack uh, or a uh, Raider stack with, with at the quarterback position has moved on with what happened with Lamar Jackson in the fourth round with their number one team. So it seems like I like it a lot better than any of the guys here do. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amon Ross St. Brown after that. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in the sixth round getting some love. Back-to-back Lions as TJ Hawkinson uh, goes to David Garcia after that. Hawkinson, the number uh, one tight end for David Garcia this year. And then a ton of receivers again. DK Metcalf to Smola. Adam Thielen to Quintana. Christian Kirk to Silva. And then uh, Chris Godwin goes off the board to Muto and Wade. Josh Jacobs, your guy from uh, from the Raiders. Shane mm-hmm. Hallam grabs him there. Joe Burrow, another stack here as we get the T. Higgins-Joe Burrow stack from Chris Carlson. Amari Cooper is the number four receiver chosen by Mauricio Gutierrez from Estadio Fantasy from the two spot. And I believe we are on the last pick of the sixth round here. But let's go back to DK Metcalf, how the mighty have fallen. Remember this guy last year with Russell Wilson was like, talked about as a second round pick for sure a third round pick and now he's falling into the sixth round because we don't know if it's going to be geno smith or drew Locke. we just know it's not going to be russell wilson farrell has has the dislike for dk metcalf has the distaste for dk metcalf <laughs> fantasy stats this year has it finally reached a, a fever pitch where he becomes a value here in, for jared smola in the mid-sixth round Yes, Jared, great job. DK Metcalf is my number three receiver all day long, Balky. Uh, put the ball in his hands. It doesn't matter necessarily what quarterback's going to do it. Metcalf makes things happen. An elite athlete amongst elite athletes in the NFL. Uh, Metcalf will be asked to do great things to help whoever's under center in Seattle. I think it's a perfect, perfect pick. Um, I'm a little, and I continue to, to to try to follow the money on this when we look at the Chiefs wide receivers, right? Um, Marquez mm-hmm. Valdez-Scantling got a ton of money from the Chiefs. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't even think he got $2 million on a one-year deal. He goes tonight um, at the 602, and you say, wow, that seems early. Well, not really. He's the 601 in mm-hmm. FFPC best ball drafts right now, and James Kearney gets him here at the 602 as his number four receiver. I continue to be a little bit nervous about that pick there, Farrell. Is my nervousness misplaced? Should I be a believer in Juju Smith-Schuster in the sixth round? Yes, you should. We've seen a player here that that has done it before and done it with less. Anyone that's worked with any offensive system and had success, uh, no matter how good or how how designed that offense was to his skill set steps into a better situation when he ends in Kansas City. And what they're paying for here, Balky, in uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling's situation is the elite speed and what kind of player they can make him, the big hits. What we're paying for in fantasy football is those repetitive catches from Juju Smith-Schuster, the steady eddies that at the end of the year looks like uh, 85 to 90, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. And at that point in time, if you can get anywhere near that out of the sixth round, you're going to be sitting in some mighty tall cotton. Smith-Schuster is going to have big numbers. Probably uh, yards per catch will be at the at the top of the league and, and will probably take the top off of competing defenses. And it will be very, very it, – it, we're, we're almost looking like a uh, – a Mike Williams versus a Keenan Allen situation, both great receivers and both keys to each other being success. What they have here in Kansas City, and this, I never can quit talking about this, but you've got a tight end that clears out that middle. 
and it makes things so beautiful for Schuster. One of them is going to be open all the time. Chris Godwin was the selection for Mudo and Wade here in the uh, sixth round tonight. The last report I've seen on Chris Godwin, uh, uh, Godwin, beg your pardon, was from Greg Allman, who uh, covers the Buccaneers State Athletic. He said he wouldn't be surprised if Godwin starts the regular season on the pup list. Mm -hmm. uh, Godwin is coming off that ACL tear in week 15. And it, it, it almost sounds like he's for certain to miss some games this year. However, when you look at trying to win this league and what Mudo and Wade have been doing here, a lot of targets in Chase Jones and Kamara with their first three picks. They get the first quarterback off the board, Josh Allen. Dalton Schultz, who you and I have talked about being an underrated tight end this year. And then you get Chris Godwin here in the sixth round. For him to come on late at the end of the season, that could be the, the, the midseason trade deadline, although there's no trading in this league trade deadline, so to speak, player that puts you over the edge if Godwin's crushing it at the end of the season. How do you view Chris Godwin this year and how he fits in to the strategy that we're seeing from Mudo and Wade tonight? I love him. And, you know, earlier in the uh, uh, summer, we talked about the situation that if you build your team, uh, you you could be in a position to stack Godwin and Gage, paying exactly what you should in the draft for him. Um, team number five had that opportunity here and passed on it when they went Elijah Moore in the seventh. Um, we talked about Godwin, um, an injury that that heals in its own sweet time. Um, and But we also talked about his toughness as a player. And anyone who's forgotten his contribution can look at some highlights from Tampa's last season and realize why you should be in business with Godwin in this format. I think that's a great pick. I would have probably been tempted to put cage with him and then I feel less nervous about it, but really what have you got to be nervous about? He'll be back on the field soon enough and you'll be very happy to have him. There's always one team um, in every draft, <clears throat> excuse me, that does it. And tonight it was Daniel Osorio from the one spot. He is the first team to double up on tight ends. He yeah. gets Darren Waller in the second he gets Zach Ertz in the sixth. Um, neither one of those guys is is a stack on this team. In fact, I'm not seeing any stacks. I mean, there's a quasi stack in there if you count J.K. Dobbins in the seventh. But um, what do you make of that uh, that start right here? So you we talk about maybe you can get away with one or the other, elite quarterback early, elite tight end early, but probably not both. Well, he's like, screw you, Falky and Sarah. I'm going to take two tight ends and a quarterback in the first six rounds and and uh, throw caution to the wind. I'm trying to win this damn thing. And he gets Ertz and Waller. A uh, lot of targets there, a lot of fantasy points. It's going to kind of depend upon how he fills in running backs and receivers in this mid part of the draft when there's still some non-lottery tickets out there, right? I mean, because th this team is set up for success, but he's got to hit on his mid-round picks. There's no bigger fan of Zach Ertz than, than I am. Uh, however, with the addition of Trey McRide to that offense, I, I wonder how much uh, could bleed into his opportunities. I don't think it's a lot, but you never know. Now, take a look at Lamar Jackson, who is at, looking to have a uh, a career year and balked himself into being the highest paid quarterback uh, in, in the NFL right now. Uh, he'll have to top Watson's deal, but perhaps he can. Um, Dobbins uh, added as the first pick of seventh round. Uh, you know, receiver injury and running back injury are two different things. Um, a receiver can seem to get back into the flow quicker than a running back can. Um, so 
It, yeah, it's an interesting build on team number one. Let's don't sell them out yet, but I'm I'm not uh, two tight ends, a quarterback, and an injured running back is not the way I want to start. Russell Wilson. Even though I love the players. Right. Even though I love yeah. all the players. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, the second pick of the seventh round to Mauricio Gutierrez. Uh, Dawson Knox, the first tight end chosen by Chris Carlson, followed by Antonio Gibson, the third running back off the hmm. board for Shane Hallam. Then a bunch of receivers in the middle part of the of the seventh round again. Elijah Moore to um, Mudo and Wade. Russell Gage to Evan Silva. Hunter Renfro is the fifth consecutive receiver uh, going to Adrian Quintana. And then Drake London goes to Jared Small after that is his number four receiver. Alan Lazard to David Garcia, followed by Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard <laughs> to, uh, to Sigmund Bloom. Miles Sanders to James Kearney. And then Devontae Smith ends up uh, the seventh round. And Devontae Smith is interesting, Farrell, because that is three straight Eagles. How about that Eagles Connor. Yeah. Yes, fly, sir. Eagles, fly for Scott Connor. I don't think he's an Eagles fan either. Uh, but well, he's getting, he is this year. He is this year. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's, he gets the, the Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, uh, uh, Devontae Smith stack there to complete round seven. Um, one of the things that um, uh, Tarek Bryant Jr. in the YouTube chat right now is pointing out, He's not really understanding drafting naked quarterbacks. In other words, quarterbacks that you don't have a receiver or tight end already on their team. You look at what Mauricio uh, Gutierrez did with, with Russell Wilson uh, in the in the seventh round. No other Broncos uh, on his squad. You look at um, Kyler Murray um, with, with Jared Smola uh, in the eighth spot tonight. No other Cardinals on his squad. Uh, you can make a case for, for the Trey Lance pick for Sigmund Bloom, which we'll get into uh, in a little bit. Although, no, I take that back. He has George Kittle on that team. Um, Tom Brady, though, uh, to James Kearney. No other Buccaneers on that squad as of right now. Do you feel like you have to, and I know stacking is a relatively new thing in season-long fantasy football. Um, it's really, it's really, I think it hit a new high last year, Farrell, but it's really, I'm seeing so much talk on fantasy Twitter about it now. Like, you have to do it. Do you believe that you have to stack a player uh, or, or get a, a quarterback receiver, quarterback tight end stack in order to win a national contest or pros versus Joe's like what we're doing tonight. It helps. And I, but I will remind our reviewer that uh, we've still got, uh, we, we've still got a lot of rounds of drafting to go and there's right. very good players that are available. I noticed here in the eighth round, Tom Brady, as you mentioned, Balky, um, there's no other bucks on that roster, but there's good bucks still to be had. And another thing you can do, uh, he termed it the naked quarterback. Uh, you might be busting up someone else's stack. You know, there, yeah. there's some guys that are building a team and you want to say, Hey, you know, enough of that. Uh, he's got, he's, he's got very, very powerful players. Let's deny him this player. Um, cause we sure don't want to, we don't won't want to see, uh, explosive players on that club. Ah, now we're beginning to see some two quarterbacks. Yes. Going. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, now things are heating up here as we get into the seventh and now uh, eighth round drawing to a close here as we cover this live on the FFPC YouTube channel here. Um, Russell Gage goes roughly about a round, a little bit more than a round after Chris Godwin. Does that feel right to you, Farrell? Because I know in the football guys players championship right now, they're like back to back, like it's Godwin. And then the mm -hmm. next pick Russell Gage via ADP. Now tonight we see a, a round separating them. Do you is that how you view Godwin versus Gage this year? I and you pointed out too, Mudo and Wade had the opportunity to get Godwin and Gage on the same team. They chose not to. They went with Elijah Moore instead. That's how I would have done it. And they they might say, Hey Farrell, you just talked about 
drafting a team's number one receiver, and Elijah Moore can certainly be that with the New York Jets. Why do we want to put Russell Gage, who might be the number three receiver, why would we want him in Tampa Bay? Well, the answer is Tom Brady um, versus young Zach Wilson. But yeah, I can I can understand. Um, I can understand what they're doing. And, and yeah, I think that's about right. If I got Godwin, I feel really, really good if Gage comes back to me because we're all optimistic that Godwin will return. Um, but perhaps he does return and uh, he seems to be compromised. He seems to continue to get hurt. He might uh, push it and return too early and uh, re-injure himself. So I like the insurance especially when it's Tom Brady at quarterback. The same situation with another quarterback is not as important. With Tom Brady, it's very important for me. Let's compare and contrast here a couple of teams. We're going to talk about Adrian Quintana's team from the seven spot and Sigmund Bloom's mm-hmm. team from the 10 spot. Um, Quintana gets tight end and running back, Mark Andrews and Javante Williams to start. Then he's hitting on uh, receivers, pounding the receivers, six straight receivers. And then you have Sigmund Bloom um, over in the 10 spot, who's sort of dancing around all picks, a, a true rainbow draft, running back, receiver, tight end, receiver, running back, receiver, running back, quarterback. Like he's 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 sort of balancing out his roster. Is, is there value in both of these approaches, Farrell? In other words, is there value in just, you know, um, having uber dominance in one position and then sort of filling in the other positions later? Or is there value in sort of, you know, dancing around everything, trying to be balanced everywhere? Does Is one strategy better than the other in this format? Those are some mighty good receivers with team number seven, but he'll have to remember that I think, Balky, correct me if I'm wrong, but only four of them can score any right. given week. And I, I like all of them. And he's got a running back, Williams, um, that has uh, pressure in his own backfield for – some type of, of timeshare for Gordon. Gordon's still available, so we'll see if that goes to him. But it's a, it's a, um, no, I think he's, he looks like he's drafting in Kentucky and he's welcome to come here. And with this team where you must start for, he's in good shape. Yeah. But with the dual flex, I'm yet to understand this, especially as we notice um, the, the quarterbacks the, beginning to fly off the board a little more aggressively um, than, than what I was expecting. I'm kind of with you on that. In fact, we saw five quarterbacks go off the board alone in in round eight. Um, Just looking at the ADP data of of what we normally see uh, in this format. After the eighth round, um, there's usually um, 11 quarterbacks chosen total. And we got a ton of them going on right now. Even Aaron Rodgers here now in the ninth round. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they're they're getting pushed up um, significantly. But it is notable that that they are getting pushed up more so than we what what we normally see in the best ball tournament draft. Um, let's get into the uh, the eighth round here. Some of these picks: Brady goes to Kearney here, Trey Lance to uh, Sigmund Bloom. Trey Lance to me, Farrell, that is, and he pairs him up with George Kittle. Obviously, that is a I'm trying to win this league, not taking second place. Right? If you're mm-hmm. drafting in a Kentucky main event, FFPC main event, doesn't that strike you as like, look, I'm going to live or die by Trey Lance here because if he crushes it. I'm probably winning this league. If he doesn't, I'm going to have a lot of work to do. I don't think if he crushes it, you're you're likely winning this league. I don't. What would crush, Balky, in your mind, what would successful season for Trey Lance mean? Is it is it that he would be the number one no. scoring quarterback? No. Will he be in the top five scoring quarterbacks? That top five would be crushing it for sure. Well, I think know, top, 10 is, top 10 is good, but it's not crushing it. But I think Trey Lance, a guy who – is picked, what, quarterback 10 tonight, 
he normally goes uh, in this format. Now he has moved up a little bit. Normally quarterback 11 in this format. So I think if he finishes top five, that's crushing it. As we, well, it's, it's very subjective. Yeah, it, it is. And there, there were uh, Prescott, Stafford, and Carr go later in the round. And, and I'm still waiting to see what Trey Lance is going to do in the NFL. I, Dak Prescott would have been my pick there. Let's get into our uh, first interview of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. He is the managing partner or a managing partner for Draft Countdown. You follow him on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. NFL Draft, fantasy football, college football analyst, and the co-host of the Debbie Marketplace podcast. Writer for Dynasty League Fantasy Football and a Steel City insider at 24-7. Shane Hallam, longtime fan of the hey. show. We're longtime fans of Shane Hallam. Welcome to the broadcast. Who isn't? Oh, thanks. Thanks for uh, bringing back, guys. Good good show so far. It's been a fun draft, so I'm, I'm having a good time. So I misspoke before the draft because I, I was getting tomorrow's show ready today, and I somehow thought you were in tomorrow's show, not tonight's. So I apologize for that in the YouTube <laughs> chat earlier. But you're hitting cleanup tonight, and you're cleaning up the running backs. I mean, you're, you're hitting on some good receivers here. Shane, how do you think the draft is, is going so far for you? We talked about earlier in the broadcast what your top three were. You were surprised to get McCaffrey at four, but certainly pleasantly surprised, right? I, I, I was. It, it basically, you know, which I think is a good thing for me. I, I, I'm an over planner. I over plan. And that's usually why I, I've never, you know, have not come close to winning. I'm glad Darren keeps inviting me back despite that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was like, okay, Taylor and, and McCaffrey will be gone. I'm going to go Mark Andrews. I'm going to get Lamar Jackson. I'm going to get Rashad Bateman. I, th I think that they're going to be a breakout offense this year. So I think it might have been to my benefit for McCaffrey to fall to four. I had to toss out the plan and now I've been, you know, living a little more by the seat of my pants and by feel. And I think it's turning out to be a, a pretty good team, uh, you know, considering. What about um, the, the Kyle Pitts pick in the second round? Was that predicated on, oh my goodness, Kelsey and Andrews were two of the first, you know, seven picks of this draft. If I want an elite tight end, I might not be able to wait till till my third round pick. I better grab one here. Or, or how, how did that factor into your decision-making? I, I just really feel like after those top four tight ends, after Kelsey Andrews, Pitts, Waller, um, you know, maybe Kittle just a step down because of the injury history. Like, I don't love anyone else. You know, there's no one else that I feel confident about. I'd probably wait till the end of the draft and take a bunch. So to me, it's, you know, if I'm going Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy for the whole season, right? I feel like he has such big upside. And I think Kyle Pitts is the ultimate upside tight end. He could be the tight end one this year very easily with his talent, with how bad the Falcons' defense is. They're going to have to throw a ton. Um, so to me, it was when, when Aaron Jones – I was going to take Aaron Jones if he fell one more pick. And when he went off the board, then I was going Kyle Pitts all the way. Kyle Shane. Pitts is a, a wonderful pick, guys. What surprised me – uh, after the Kittle pick, um, we went around and a half before Dalton Schultz was selected, and I have been elevating Dalton Schultz in all my drafts. If he's there early in the fourth, I'm grabbing him. Were you surprised about that? Or when you listed your tight end, Shane, Schultz was not amongst them, and it, for me, he is. Are you just not a Schultz guy? I, no, I, th I think it's fair. I think the value in the fifth was pretty good. Like yeah, I think yeah. Schultz is a volume, you know, he's going to be a volume tight end receiver. Uh, and, you know, without a clear wide receiver too, I, I do like him. Um, I have him in a lot of dynasty leagues. I'm, you know, I'm happy about that in the FFPC, but um, you know, he's just not exciting, right? Like I don't think you're, you're going to get, 
the weeks that you're going to get huge outputs from Dalton Schultz, it's going to be volume based. Um, and you know, that, that for a best ball, I think it's fine, but I I'd rather not. I, I kind of like that sweet spot where he goes, where some of those receivers are. Shane, once you took Keenan Allen in the third round, had, did you make up your mind that if Herbert made it to you in the fourth, you were taking him? Yeah, it was queued up. I would have taken him over Josh Allen. Uh, I, I think Herbert's going to be the QB one this year. Oh, I really? Do. So I, regardless I, of even if you didn't have Keenan Allen, you were yeah. still the pick over. I, Allen. Okay. I, I think he's still the pick over. Now, would I have taken Herbert if I had not had Allen in the fourth? Probably not. But I, I right now, I think Herbert. I think Herbert is the the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Like, you know, Mahomes does some amazing things and Josh Allen does some amazing things. I think the arm talent of Justin Herbert is at like out of this world. I think people kind of underrate him because the team hasn't been to the playoffs or you haven't seen that. Um, and they're in a tough division. Like I really like stacking up that division, which I've tried to do in this draft with Herbert, with Allen, with Josh Jacobs, with Sky Moore, with MVS. I, I think getting a lot of that division, they're going to, it's going to be 40 point games every week. Uh, in those divisional games. I, 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 and I think that's, that's a way to go too. Um, we saw the report. I, was it today or yesterday about the Raiders potentially going with a, you know, running back by committee with, with Jacobs and Zamir White and, and Kenyon Drake, if he's healthy, um, but I, I mean, Shane, I guess that, you know, that kind of goes out the window for you when you consider, okay, now I'm getting Josh Jacobs here in the late sixth round. I don't care if it's a committee or not. This is a smart choice for me here. Like Josh Jacobs is just, it, it's, it's an ugly pick. It's a pick. You just hate. Like I, I hate to make, I know, I know for, I, I, like, like I know Farrell likes them, but yeah, in the late six, it's, I, I just, I couldn't pass them up. It, no. It's just, it's so it's many guaranteed carries. For like RB2 between him and Gibson, I think I'm gonna get a solid RB2 week every single week. I don't I I don't have to take many more running backs in this draft. Like I think I'm gonna be fine at running back with if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, I think I'm good. So like Josh Jacobs does that. I, I think I think McDaniel's gonna like him a lot more than we think because mm. he is the type of running back that Josh McDaniels likes to trot out there and get those touchdowns. He's going to like him with that fullback trotting out in front of him, too. That's the biggest thing that could have had to happen to Jacobs. And, you know, in a situation where Jacobs is playing out his contract, uh, there's a great deal of motivation for this player to get on the field and stay on the field. He's got a great running buddy in that backfield. It's going to look different. And it's going to look uh, like Jacobs truly has a plan to make him successful. It, it's We've seen Jacobs be drafted. We. Jacobs moved up the draft board last year based on the fact that uh, uh, you had a coach that that promised that he was going to be an excellent player and lots of opportunity. The the they're quiet about it this year, and whoever is quietly listening can value from from rostering Jacobs, especially in the sixth round. Shane, you're on the clock here in the tenth round. Who are you thinking? Yeah, it, it's it's tough because. Um, the receivers just going fast and furious, but I'm going to pick who, once again, I'm going to stick to the uh, AFC West there. And I'm going to pick who I think is the number two receiver for the Denver Broncos. I'm going to take Tim Patrick here. Mm -hmm. I think he's better than Jerry Judy. I think he has been. And I think people just because of the draft capital are too scared to say it. He stayed healthier. He's been consistent. I think Russell Wilson's going to like him a lot. Um, so it's a lot of receiver 52 off the board. I think, you know, it's fair. Maybe it's a little bit early, but these, I feel like they're all the receivers just getting pushed up in this draft. 
And, you know, I'll, I'll take the guys that I like that I think have some upside. And once again, when, when the Broncos play the Chiefs, I got, you know, three receiver options. When they play, um, you know, the Chargers, I, I have both those offenses. You know, I have every offense now in the AFC West. This is interesting, Shane. Now, you, you, you are taking Tim Patrick roughly about two rounds, maybe a little bit more than two rounds ahead of his ADP. However, you are an FFPC pros versus Joe's veteran. This is a get your guys draft, right? I mean, when you're dealing with um, six really talented high stakes Joes uh, and then five other pros, obviously, who do this for a living like you, you look at um, uh, this, this spot right here, the receiver's getting pushed up. Tim Patrick makes a lot of sense, even though it, you're going up and grabbing them. It's a reach. It's a bit of a reach. Yeah, I know. It absolutely is. I really felt that way. You know, after I took that third running back, we talked about the Jacobs value. I think Gibson was a value because everyone's taken receivers so early. So there comes a point you have to, you got to take receivers. So, so at some point you got to reach for the receivers a little bit. Uh, I'm happy that I got the value on the running backs uh, in the sixth and seventh that I did. I'd rather reach now than reach for the receivers at those rounds. Shane, uh, final question here for you uh, over at draft countdown. The NFL draft never stops with you guys. In fact, you're already working on, and you have been, not like you just started, you have been working on 2023 NFL draft prep, right? Yeah, yeah. I was working on my rankings today. We're relaunching in mid-August, so I'll have um, a seven-round 2023 mock before the end of August, and I'll actually have an updated uh, seven-round 2024 mock draft and wow. a three-round 2025 mock draft uh, by the end of August. So so if you want, uh, you know, if you, if you want to hop in there and, and see the guys coming up in the future, you can check it out there. Well, after Aaron Rodgers retires, um, I'm going to be highly interested and highly invested in the NFL draft as a Green Bay Packers fan. So I will definitely be checking out Draft Countdown uh, for all that information and more. Follow it on Twitter at Draft Countdown. More importantly, we follow you on Twitter, Shane, at Shane P. Hallam. Thank you so much for joining the broadcast tonight and good luck the rest of the way, not only in this draft, but in all your leagues this year, my friend. No, thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Thanks for having me. Shane See Hallam, you, Shane. ladies and gentlemen. Shane P. Hallam. As Dave the Dizzle Gerzak always pointed out, not Shane Hallam, Shane P. Hallam. Um, always good to hear from him. Usually drafts in the first uh, iteration of the Pros versus Joes every single year. One of the things we didn't get to with him, Farrell, Sky Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Mm -hmm. Eight, nine picks here. So even though he doesn't have Mahomes, there's still value in grabbing receivers like that on an offense like that this year. Yeah, he's taking the storm out of team number six. So good for him. Moore and Valdez-Scantling, a lot of opportunity there. All right, so let's move on here. I want to get to our next guest shortly, but I just want to see if there's anything I want to touch on in the ninth round. Okay, um, here's one. Farrell, ninth round. Robert Woods goes to um, goes to uh, um, David Garcia. Yeah. Two picks later, his real-life teammate, Traylon Burks, goes to James Kearney here in the ninth round. Uh -huh. if you had your druthers. Which one is ranked higher for you? Is it Woods or is it Burks this year in this type of format? It is no contest. Robert Woods will be the number one receiver for the Tennessee Titans by far. And it's, it's a perfect uh, player that, that 90 catch seasons when he was with the Rams uh, with Jared Goff at quarterback. And, you know, this is a winning team in Tennessee. You take a look, uh, the Tannehill yet to go in this draft. Uh, Tannehill as a Titan is 30 and 13. Woods goes to a team where he is a middle of the field receiver uh, with a team that has not celebrated the tight end position and does not necessarily have running backs on the field that catch a lot of balls. 
Uh, Robert Woods is in a wonderful position and to, to realize that he could be picked in this format in the ninth round in front of uh, second and third wide receivers on other teams. That's one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. Uh, one of my favorite interviews uh, in tonight's program is about to happen right now. Uh, this gentleman is picking first tonight in the draft. He is a champion, a league champion of the FFPC tournament, the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, FFPC Dynasty Drafts, FFPC Satellite Leagues. He's done it all, and he might add first place in pros versus Joes tonight. Want to welcome in, picking from the one spot, it is Daniel Osario. Daniel, welcome into the broadcast tonight, man. Hey, how you doing? This is this is not Daniel. This is uh, his partner, Nico. Oh, Nico. Nico, I apologize. Yeah. I didn't read the name. I just saw SVFFC, and I just assumed it was uh, it was Daniel. I see the Nico now. Nico, how's the draft going tonight for you it guys? Was, it was going good. You know, it's not my particular way to draft. So we did a little collaboration before and went ahead and went Cooper Cup with the first pick. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and this was made like you guys did talk about this. You're like, okay, we're not going Taylor. We're not going, we're not going uh, McCaffrey. You might have wanted to, but it ultimately Cup won out. Why? We wanted to go Cub just based on how he did last year. Even Allen Robinson there last year, he had almost two targets last year, Cooper Cup. Even if that goes down by 50 targets, that's still a huge upside in our opinion. And saying that Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey or even Austin Eckler going with the first pick, we said, you know, we're going we're to grab our fists and say we're going to go Cooper Cup with this first pick and really solidify receiver positions in this draft. Nico, you really surprised me when you went uh, tight end and wide receiver, but I certainly love the players that you picked, and I was kind of surprised that they were there. And I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, so we can't argue uh, with Lamar Jackson. And and then looking at your draft, and I'll save some for Balky, but I, I'm thrilled with what you've done 8 through 11. Yeah, for sure. We wanted to go Darren Waller to say, hey, maybe we can get Derek Carr later on. With, you sure did. With, with our eighth-round pick, we got Derek Carr. And we said, look, Lamar Jackson runs the ball. So we're going to go like Lamar Jackson. That's kind of like our quarterback running back philosophy combined into one person in Lamar Jackson. And you get to the, the seventh round where we still have J.K. Dobbins on the board, even though his ACL is in question. So we said, look, Baltimore is a run first team. And it says whoever's on the goal line, it's either going to be J.K. Dobbins taking it up the middle or Lamar Jackson keeping it in for the touchdown. Either way, in this best ball format, we get the points. Was Tyree Kill a target for you guys uh, at all in his new surroundings in Miami as you guys took him with the 301, or was that a situation where, man, this guy should not still be out there. we got to grab him here. He was not in our, in our sights at all, and him still being there in the late second going into the third round, we're like, dude, we have to grab this guy. He can take the top, of, he can take the top off of any defense in this league and can get you those points no matter what offense he's in. And I feel like he has enough surrounding him to make him the main focus in that offense. So I feel like we had to grab him there. Um, one of the things that we were talking about, and there's a lot of YouTube chatter uh, on this in, in the conversation there with everybody watching this draft, was your 501 pick. You had the opportunity to take Brees Hall. You went with David Montgomery. Did you guys talk about Brees Hall there uh, as a possibility? And, and if not, why was Montgomery the pick for you? We surprisingly didn't talk about grabbing Brees Hall. And I'll tell you why. It's because we went with Montgomery. It's because we felt like, you know, he's the back in Chicago. He, yes. he, you still have 
Justin Fields, who's adjusting to the NFL level play. And then if you get a guy like Montgomery, who can help a guy out like Justin Fields in Chicago, it's just, it's just going to be a point house for Montgomery the whole year, in our opinion. Um, you were also the first team, I believe. Yeah, you're the first team to to, to go um, with two tight ends first before anybody else had them with Waller and Ertz. Um, can you talk a little bit about the mentality there of of not only grabbing two tight ends within your first six picks, but also grabbing an elite quarterback there, maybe setting yourself back at other positions, but setting you up for success at the quarterback and tight end position. It, certainly. We went ahead and got Waller because, like we said, we had our mindset on grabbing Carr later, but we believe the addition of Devontae Adams will really open up the playing field for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro as well. They just you, It's a lot for a defense to handle – Josh Jacobs going up the middle, whatever running back situation is going there in Las Vegas, where you have Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro on the outside, where Darren Waller is just going to eat you up in the middle. So we said that's a big uh, – those are points on the table for us. And with Zach Ertz, with DeAndre being out with suspension, we just said yeah, Zach Ertz is going to be a huge, huge um, component in that offense down in Arizona. Nico hudson who often comes in as our – our resident Ivy League professor to comment in the chat room uh, on our shows. He referred to Ronald Jones as the guy that can save the zero running back philosophy. And I, you know, I guess starting with your running back in the fifth round, that would qualify as zero running back. Not only do I like Ronald Jones in the 11th, I very much like Singletary in the ninth. It's very cool what you did here in building these running backs, especially in this format. I think you got some guys that, are going to score and you know bulky's going to keep you around and we get you live for yeah, probably exactly. two picks so it's pretty fantastic but uh what are you thinking about next position i i see a lot of guys i really like oh i see a bunch of guys i really like and like you were saying with the ronald jones pick it really sets up our running backs to say whether you know the, whether kansas city's gonna like hilaire or not it's a really sets us up to have those points with ronald jones as far as I know, as what we're going into, because I'm not on the phone with them right now as we speak. As far as I know, what I would do in this situation is probably go receiver here, in mm -hmm. my opinion, and, gra and grab a guy you are and, and McCole Hardman, in my opinion, because they're going to need that replacement for Tyreek Hill in that offense. And McCole Hardman, to me, is like a mini Tyreek Hill. All right, so you guys, I believe, are are on deck here right now, um, and it looks like it's going to be – you're hoping McCall Hardman for one of the picks. What about the other one, uh, Nico? Would you want to go receiver-receiver here? Would you want to add uh, another running back? Because you obviously already got the two tight ends, the two quarterbacks. I mean, you're looking pretty good for the first half of the draft there. Would this be a receiver-receiver pick here for you? It's, it's looking like that because we only have three receivers right now. We wanted to go into this draft – drafting more receivers and but the guys that we wanted ended up getting taken earlier like the guy you had on here before saying a lot of receivers were getting taken early so that kind yes. of persuade our draft a little bit but i think we're happy of where everything ended now, up you are on the clock but i think we should go receiver here i i'm not going to be surprised if we take anything other than receiver but one of these picks should should be receiver should be a receiver yeah, yeah. um while because you'll be as, as surprised as all of us here as as we <laughs> as we keep you away from your team and i do apologize for that but i love that you're that you're popping in um one of the things you said earlier with the waller pick um or yeah with the waller pick you said we we like taking waller at the end of the second round because we plan on taking Derek carr later when you guys are drafting in the main event for a million bucks this year in the ffpc is that do you bring that mentality aboard where 
you're willing to take a tight end or receiver early because you believe you're going to get the quarterback later. And we'll use the Waller car as an example here. Yeah, we've been doing that since last year, especially especially in best ball formats. Now you are because on the clock. in best ball formats, when we believe we have the right stack, it can really set us up for long term points, in my opinion. Because if Derek Carr is getting points, Darren Waller is getting points, mm-hmm. and we were actually supposed we had our eyes set on getting Jacobs, but yeah. he ended up didn't fall into us in the sixth. We ended up just getting Zach Ertz instead of Josh Jacobs, but. If we were to have that Las Vegas stack, I believe it would have set us up for a real um, Las Vegas stack. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the the final pick of the 12th round here. Um, you guys end up going with Tyler Allgaier, a guy that has been pointed out in the football guys drafts I've been watching uh, this week facilitating. He keeps climbing up and climbing up and climbing up. You guys get him here as your number five. No, beg your pardon, number six, uh, number five running back because you get Daryl Henderson in the 1301. Uh, so those are two... I don't want to say like upside guys, but in the right scenario, these guys could really take off for you in this format. Oh, most definitely, especially with a new quarterback in Atlanta. And especially with Cam Akers coming back from an injury where it was kind of iffy for him in the playoffs last year and Daryl Henderson mostly getting most of the playing time last year. With these two running back picks, it's just all upside for us, in our opinion. Uh, Nico, final question before we let you get back to the draft here tonight. As you look at this, we were talking about the receivers getting pushed up a little bit tonight. We talked a little bit about the quarterbacks getting pushed up tonight. Is there anything else, any specific teams or or, or anything that you're seeing in the draft um, that that you're looking at that you didn't expect to see tonight that that I don't want to say caught you off guard because you're a high-stakes fantasy football player. Nothing catches you off guard, but yeah. but something that maybe you weren't planning on seeing tonight happening in front of you. I did not expect us. Like you said, back when Tyreek Hill, I did not expect mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill to fall that far, especially when the receivers were getting taken so um, so early. And a guy for like Tyreek Hill to be yeah. that far, the only intangibles that affect that are, of course, him going to Miami and him getting paid, which mm-hmm. alters people's perspective on the player. Uh, Nico, listen, uh, good luck in winning the million bucks in the FFPC main event this year. And if you can't get that done, I hope you win this league because then you get the free entry to try to win the grand prize in the FFPC main event in 2023 as well. You are a gentleman and a scholar and a good sport for hopping aboard uh, and making a couple of picks on air tonight. We really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Appreciate it. You guys have a good night, huh? Thank you so much. Nico from Team One, Daniel Osorio's partner, the SBFFC uh, squad picking first tonight. Uh, Shocking. I don't want to say shocking the world because I have seen Cooper Cup go with the first overall pick in a lot of drafts this year, but they get him tonight with the 101. Love it. And uh, as we uh, just talked with them, three straight running backs, Jones, Allgaier, and uh, Daryl Henderson here. Uh, Farrell, let's talk about Tyler Allgaier for a second. Um, and we talked a little bit about this with with uh, with Nico. He has been rising up draft boards right now, and you and I have been talking about him on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour seemingly since before the NFL draft. Um, and this is a player that that high stakes owners, uh, the redraft owners are really warming up to as he is climbing up the ADP. Yeah. And, and he's in a situation where he's going to play better at the end of the year, probably than he will at the beginning as they, as they look, uh, for running back, a rookie running back is no longer a rookie after, uh, Halloween. So, you know, you've got a player here that, uh, you is can, is that the cutoff? You're no yeah, longer, that's, a that's it. no longer a rookie. If you, you know, <laughs> it's, it's trick or treat by the end of October. Boggy. And it, it, it should be. And, and Allgaier, um, 
interesting player to look at. I, I was drafting with a friend this week. We chaired a team in the football guys, and I, I, I described Allgaier to him, and, and I don't think my teammate really understood who the player was. I, and, you know, he, he played at Brigham Young. Uh, you need to look at him and find the type player that he can remind you of in the NFL. I've got my own idea about him, but I, so I, I don't want to uh, spoil the pool of possibilities. But Allgaier looks like an NFL running back, and he can catch the ball, and he is explosive with the ball, and he doesn't fumble the ball. I like that all those aspects of a running back getting to play and staying on the field. I want to talk a little bit about uh, as the twelfth round has come to a completion and the thirteenth round about to come to a completion about a player that Mauricio Gutierrez took uh, from Estadio Fantasy at the twelve uh, eleven pick, the rookie out of North Dakota, Christian Watson for the mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers. Farrell, I felt like I was defending this guy in the pre-draft process, and then after the Packers took him, to not only um, you know everybody on our show but also my my local Northeast Wisconsin talk radio show, sports talk radio show. I feel like I've been t- defending him to the hilt. And now, as we're getting closer and closer uh, to not only KFFSC uh, live main events, but FFPC live main events and the NFL kickoff, I feel like I'm kind of like pulling back on him a little bit because now I think expectations for him are growing to a point where I, I don't know if he's going to pay off on him. 12th round in a best ball tournament? Sure, I like him there. But I think we also have to understand that he is a raw rookie who will work get worked in with like jet sweeps and stuff like that. Um, but I still don't believe that this he's a fantasy league winner by any means this year. In other words, if you get him in a double digit round, mm-hmm. you you feel like you can ignore the receiver position for the rest of the draft because he's your ace in the hole or, or whatever like that. He's going to have his moments this year, which is fine for a best ball tournament. Football guys, main event, uh, I, I get a little bit more nervous about. Mm-hmm. Well, here he's the sixth receiver on this team, right? And he is paired with Aaron Rodgers, and, and I think this is a fine pick. The guys that that went after him, uh, and and I'll say that for you to go in the thirteenth round, but there was very little receivers taken on the board in the thirteenth round, and and I like Watson's upside more than than most of those guys. Although news out of Houston today would suggest um, a possible uh, path to the field for Nico Collins that we did not particularly expect so i yeah watson is a fine pick here and put put with rogers even better um let's talk about that houston news here because um obviously john mechie it sounds like um he's expected to miss the majority if not all of the of the season with and and i feel and like i don't want to make light of this at all but i practiced before going on the air i practiced um the type of leukemia he was diagnosed with how to say it because it's a long it's a long word. Um, it's acute. And now I, I, I'm going to, yep. I'm not even going to try. Got to have that medical degree. I, and I don't, I'm far from it. I'm far from it. So mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers, uh, not only to John Mechie, but all his family that is going to help him uh, through this as well. And, and we hope, you know, he just gets better. And when he gets on the field, he gets on the field. Great. Um, but what about Nico Collins here? Because this is a player that was drafted by Evan Silva here in the 13th round. Um, knowing that Brandon Cooks is no stranger to the trainer's table um, and knowing that the Houston Texans are probably going to be throwing a lot. In fact, I think we talked about this, Farrell, on Friday mm. night show. But now Nico Collins is is a different type of fantasy asset this year if Mechie's expected to miss the majority of the season. 
Exactly. And there, there'll be another receiver to move into that spot. Uh, the wide receiver skill in the NFL is very, very deep. Um, and, you know, I've been looking for this uh, a player to go off the board, uh, another Houston Texan. And it amazes me that in this premium format and what he did at the end of the year, uh, it amazes me when we look at Brevin Jordan is the 25th tight end ball. He is, can I believe that? Is that correct? Tight end uh, 25, I think. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's got such a more impressive ceiling than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that Hallam that took him as well? Yeah. Shane Hallam <laughs> took Brevin Jordan. Good, good job. Uh, you know, but yes, uh, that was a blow to the Texans and a blow to the young man personally. And uh, hopefully, he returns uh, to positive health more important than anything. But I I felt uh, so disappointed this afternoon Mm -hmm. when I heard that news. Yeah, I think all of us did too. I mean, nobody wants to see that at all. Really unfortunate. Um, On the bright side, the reports I read, it sounds like he's in good spirits and expects to to have this eliminated from his body soon. So that that would be great. And and obviously we all became John Mechie, the third fans today. Um, And all the Mechies, John Mechie Jr., John Mechie Sr., everybody. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the running backs here that went in the 13th round. Daryl Henderson, J.D. McKissick, James Robinson, Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams. I just drafted Jamal Williams, I believe, was that in the Scott Fishbowl? It's either in the Scott Fishbowl or Kentucky main event today. They're blurring together. Um, so I obviously like Williams this year. Khalil Herbert I like as well. And James Robinson, you know, the report, I, I, I still remain skeptical on this guy getting back onto the field. Um, and then I don't know when he gets back on the field, what role he's going to have with Travis Etienne looking so mm-hmm. good. Farrell, do you have a favorite among those three between Robinson, Herbert, and Williams? Because I think they all have a certain amount of upside. Um, Robinson, I'm starting to warm up to. I'm just not all the way there yet. I'm a big Jane Robinson guy, and he's been stuck in that 13th round, which is perfect for him, an unlucky ball player from last year. So he'll be in the 13th round. I'll take him every time I can get him, Bucky. And I think he's a wonderful opportunity to get back into the role of the type of football player that he is. He he was a favorite of mine when he came out as an undrafted rookie. And it just goes to show you how our our fantasy players, as they get ready to gather at Planet Hollywood and play online and all the things that the FFPC offers, uh, is to look deep at at the running back position in the preseason and guys who were not drafted because there's some excellent college ball players that transition their game into the NFL. Coaches can see their talents perhaps when the scouting department can't. I am a big James Robinson fan, and I think he's a steal in that 13th round. All right, so there you go, the Farrell Elliott stamp of approval there. And now I'm even more warming up to James Robinson <laughs> in the 13th round now after hearing that. Um, trio quarterbacks complete the 13th, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, and Mac Jones. And then we get the tight end round here as five tight ends go off the board in round Crazy. 14. Um, DJ Chark goes to Scott Connor, followed by Austin Hooper, the third tight end drafted by James Kearney, not to be outdone by Sigmund Bloom, who also gets his third tight end here in the 14th uh, yeah, fourteenth round. Robert Tunyon to go with George Kittle and Tyler Higby. Zach Wilson, which we will try to keep all the conversation on the football field tonight and going forward here. because I think we've heard everything about Zach Wilson <laughs> off the field ad nauseum for like the last two weeks. Uh, Hayden Hurst also uh, joining or uh, making a trio of tight ends mm-hmm. here for Jared Smola. Ryan Tannehill, the third quarterback chosen by Adrian Quintana. Michael Gallup goes off the board to Evan Silva, the third consecutive receiver he's drafted right after Nico Collins and Rondale Moore. Uh, same thing with uh, Henry Muto and Jake Wade 
Landry, McCole Hardman, and now Jamison Crowder. I like that pick quite a bit as well. Revan Jordan, we just talked about. K.J. Osborne to Chris Carlson. Jacoby Myers to Estadio Fantasy. That's Mauricio Gutierrez. And then Cameron Brait, the third tight end off the board uh, in the 14th round. Farrell, I don't know how many of these um, FFPC best ball tournaments that you do, but in this format, as you know, 20 rounds, set it and forget it. Are, and I know it's tight end premium. Are you a fan of, of grabbing the, the three tight ends, even if you grab one early? I mean, we look at what, what uh, Daniel Osorio and Nico did here uh, with the first um, first slot tonight. They get Waller in the second, but they still add Ertz in the sixth. And now Cameron Brait uh, back to the tight end position here in the 14th round. What are your thoughts on three tight ends in this format? Yeah, I want three tight ends, but if I'm going, uh, if I'm going early, top four for me, top five because apparently I'm drafting Schultz ahead of everyone. Um, <laughs> maybe the, not Jerry uh, Jones. Maybe not Jerry. The, jo- well, maybe Jerry Jones. They haven't figured out a long-term deal there yet, so I don't know. Then, then you know, I'm going to want to wait until about 13, 14. And in a scenario like this, I'm going to pray that I'm at one of the ends where I can I can stack them up and and get my third, my second and third guy. Um, I, I really like some of the values. Uh, let's go back to our friend Scott Connor at the number twelve position. He only has two, but he, you know, if you're going to get one in the reception premium league that may not catch as many passes, but he's going to be a fantastic red zone player as he got Hunter Henry. And then we talked about some other, uh, another tight end uh, new to the league. that would be a wonderful red zone guy. So, so at this point in time, I'm going away from the catches and I'm looking at the guys that I think are going to find the end zone and are going to be teamed with a prolific quarterback that, uh, that leans on that tight end in tough times. And, you know, uh, I, I don't uh, – yeah, Everett's gone. So I think most of our our uh, AFC West tight ends are off the board except for a young player that plays for the Denver Broncos. Um, the uh, godfather of the FFPC pros versus Joes is weighing in on Twitter right now. Darren Armani want to get his tweet out uh, on the air here, and I, I can't uh, put it up there, so I'll just have to read it. Uh, he has some early observations on tonight's draft. Uh, pointing out that Mike Evans uh, went to Sigmund Bloom tonight uh, before Devontae Adams went to uh, Jared Smola two picks later. Um, Brees Hall's ADP in this format, the 401. He goes at the 502 tonight, so a little bit over a uh, full round of value. Josh Jacobs went late. We talked about him earlier. Um, he has an ADP of 509. He goes at the 609 tonight. Sky Moore went to uh, Shane Hallam, which we talked about earlier. I mean, Shane is a get-your-guys type of player in this format. So not only did he draft um, – uh, uh, Tim Patrick a couple of rounds early. He went Sky Moore with the uh, 809 pick. His ADP is the 1007. And then we just talked about it. Nico Collins um, normally uh, being picked at the uh, 1602. He goes at the 1306 tonight. And I would imagine that would climb up a little bit more here going forward. Um, we just went through the 14th. Uh, yeah, we got through most. Yeah, we got through the 14th round. Let's get into the 15th round here, Farrell. As uh, Daniel Osorio and Nico from SVFFS, uh, FFC leads things off with Van Jefferson, followed by Gus Edwards to Mauricio Gutierrez as his number four running back. Joshua Palmer uh, joining a, a pretty deep stable of receivers for Chris Carlson here at the, um, at the third pick here in the 15th round. Mark Ingram, we'll see what happens there with the Alvin Kamara situation, but Shane Hallen grabbing him there. Jared Goff will be backing up Josh Allen this year for Mudo and Wade here at the five spot. Tyrion Davis-Price, the rookie running back 
uh, as the fifth running back selected by Evan Silva, joining Chubb, Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Naheem Hines. Logan Thomas will be the backup tight end to Mark Andrews for Adrian Quintana. Brian Robinson uh, from the Commanders goes to Jared Smola. Devontae Parker from the Patriots goes to David Garcia. Carson mm. Wentz from the Commanders going to Sigmund Bloom as his third quarterback. So Sigmund Bloom now having three tight ends and three quarterbacks through 15 rounds. Chris Evans and then Kendrick Bourne completing the 15th round here. Kendrick Bourne, the Patriots, is going to Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill. Let's talk about Chris Evans, Captain America himself, who is going as the really the de facto backup now um, to um, Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. Now, Joe Mixon went to Sigmund Bloom in this draft. He chose not to take him uh, in the 14th or 15th round. He gets taken ahead of him in the uh, in the 15th, uh, or right after him in the 15th round here to uh, James Kearney. Farrell, Chris Evans catches passes, and Samanje P. Ryan was placed on the pup list. Chris Evans' stock is probably going to go higher. Yeah, as it should. And, um, you know, the physical limitations of P. Ryan, who I very much like as a player, um, now give Evans a chance to at least start camp um, with the repetitions and the chance to show what he has. And the team thinks a lot of him. It's a perfect place to take him. Um, I, and I like, I like the idea of, um, you know, because you look at what Kearney has at running back Barkley. Okay. High upside, but there's some injury risk. Travis Etienne. I don't want to say there's an injury risk, but he's kind of unproven when the real bullets start flying. Mm -hmm. Miles Sanders is another upside guy who has been drafted as, I mean, it, it doesn't feel that long ago when I saw him go first overall in a football guys draft a couple of years ago. Um, and now he falls to the sixth round. And then Chris Evans here, this all fits in with high upside, semi-high risk um, at running back here. But again, the winner of this league will get a free 2023 FFPC main mm -hmm. event team. Second place, you don't even get a pair of socks or whatever they're giving away at Caddy Day in, in Caddyshack. You don't even get that. So you're trying to win this league, which is what all these guys are trying to do here. Um, Brian, I would doubt my, my favorite line from Judge Schmale from Caddyshack. You'll get nothing and like it. That's yeah. my favorite line at <laughs> all. Balky, do you ever look at these kind of things and, you know, you have a favorite player. I've got a favorite young receiver and I, I can't find him on the board. I'm, I'm, I can't believe that he's still available. And then I was surprised if he is still available. I'm surprised that team number 10 um, did, didn't take him. And, you know, it's just, it's just wild. So I, I'm, I, I'm waiting for this player to go and I'm, I'm wondering you know, when I've been drafting him in the 13th and 14th round, if I particularly had to. But I, I see that he's probably been pushed down by the fact that all these quarterbacks are going, and now we're drafting every tight end that's possibly ever lined up yeah. at the position. Yeah, it's exactly. fantastic. I think I know what receiver you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't see him on the board either, but I, yeah. I do believe he will go before the end of this draft here tonight. Yeah, you think um, he'll get back to Team 10? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he'd be gone by now. So yeah. I mean, the fact that he's been slipping this far, I would imagine that he would, but you know, who the heck knows when, when you get six pros and six Joes together in this yeah. type of format. Team 10 could use him. Team 10 could use him. Brian yeah. Robinson, um, for, uh, team eight, that is, uh, Jared Smola. We haven't talked about Robinson a whole lot, Farrell. Yeah. Antonio Gibson has been slipping. JD wow. McKissick, um, goes to, uh, after sort of being in Buffalo for about 20 hours, he resigns for what with Washington. What do you make of Robinson uh, this year? Because I, I'm not a big Gibson guy, so I, I could definitely sign on for Robinson later. 
in, in the draft, which is what Smola did here. What do you think about that Washington backfield? Can't you be a big Gibson guy when Gibson is going in the seventh round in this format? I can't be a big Gibson guy. Mm-hmm. Seventh round, yeah, I can get on board with them, especially if I go zero RB. Then I'm a big Gibson guy for sure. But there I mean, a, zero RB. I I'm yet. To, I've got to see Brian Robinson in his role play in the in the backfield there. I've got to see it in the preseason. You know, and there's three games, and that'll be enough. And I, I want to. To have a better understanding of the plan uh, for that player, um, because I've, I'm impressed uh, by Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there ever was a committee, JD McKissick is not going to let go of his role in it. So, yeah, uh, it, it's, a, it's a it's a wonderfully uh, uh, assembled football running back by committee for the Commanders. None of it is particularly attractive for what we're doing here in fantasy football. Um, what is attractive is uh, what's been going on here in the um, 16th round as we move on here. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, the rookie receiver from Dallas, goes to Scott Connor. Corey Davis of New York Jets fame goes to James Kearney, followed by Mo Ali Cox, the one, two, three, fourth tight end. Now for Sigmund Bloom here as he is just loading up on the position. Marcus Mariota, the third quarterback, Drafting by uh, drafted by David Garcia, Robbie Anderson, Marlon Mack, Taysom Hill off the board after that. Evan Silva taking Taysom Hill there as his backup to Travis Kelsey. Jamison Williams, the rookie out of uh, Detroit, goes uh, to uh, Henry Mudo and Jake Wade. Zamir White, the rookie from Las Vegas, goes to Shane Hallam uh, there as well as he gets Zamir White and Josh Jacobs on the same squad. Davis Mills, the third uh, quarterback drafted by Chris Carlson to go along with Joe Burrow. And Matthew Stafford, Raheem Mostert, your guy uh, to Estadio Fantasy. Mauricio Gutierrez grabs him there as one of his backup running backs. And then we complete the uh, the round with Marvin Jones. Farrell, who's a more underrated player this year? And I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Between these last two players, Raheem Mostert, new team, um, crowded backfield in Miami. Is he more underrated or is Marvin Jones a guy who gets a really good offensive mind in Doug Peterson? helming that offense, Net, another year of Trevor Lawrence, and yet nobody's talking about him because they're talking about the rise of LaVisca Chenault and the big contract for Christian Kirk. Yeah, and and Marvin Jones is, is um, a significant wide receiver with a quarterback that we expect his game to step up. Um, Marvin Jones is underrated. Uh, drafters are scared of Mostert. More people will celebrate Mostert but they don't trust his availability. Marvin Jones just quietly gets his way to 70 catches, even in a disaster of a year uh, that was uh, part of the Urban Meyer group. uh, Marvin Jones uh, made a contribution to the Jaguars and more importantly, a contribution to his quarterback. It's a perfect idea. uh, The perfect format for him is ridiculous to me that he goes in the 15th round. I would have probably drafted Mostert sooner. Uh, here, but uh, you know, the great picks for team one and team two, um, getting players like this this late in the draft. Uh, we are moving on here to cover the 17th round. Once again, you are tuning into League One. Uh, Farrell and I are going to be doing this five more times uh, this year, once more tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow to do this, as well as Tuesday and then next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Once again, each of these leagues feature six um, fantasy football industry pros taking on six FFPC Joes that were in a random drawing of everybody who was signed up for the FFPC main event um, by May 31st. And once again, 
you can still sign up for the FFPC main event. We highly encourage that type of behavior because for the first time in season-long fantasy football industry history, we are giving away a $1 million grand prize. Never been done before. Grand prize last year is 500000 Now it's a million bucks. And the top three places are all going to take home a minimum of a six-figure grand prize as well. So you don't even have to win the whole thing to win life-changing money. You can sign up for that at myffpc.com. And we encourage you to do it by the end of um, mid, uh, by midnight, uh, beg your pardon, Pacific time uh, tomorrow, because then you will get your early draft slot by August 1st. So no matter when you're drafting in the FFPC main event, you will know what slot it is. You can prep for a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, and you'll be all set to try to take down that $1 million grand prize. Moving on in the uh, 17th round, George Pickens to uh, Daniel Osorio and his partner, Nico, at the one spot. Sony Michelle, the third consecutive running back drafted by Mauricio Gutierrez. Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, KJ Hamler off the board of that. Carlson, Hallam, and uh, Mudo and Wade, respectively. Rob Gronkowski, the retired Rob Gronkowski, going as the third tight end to Evan Silva here. Kelsey, Hill, and Gronk, that is a pick to win if I've ever seen it. And then Adrian Quintana also gets his third tight end. Uh, Janu Smith, the New England Patriots tight end, goes to him uh, with the uh, 1707 pick. Donovan Peoples-Jones to Jared Smola. Jeff Wilson to David Garcia. Kenyon Drake to Sigmund Bloom. Uh, so the triumvirate of Raiders running backs is not to be for Shane Hallam. Curtis Samuel to James Kearney. And then Daryl Williams to Scott Connor. Farrell, was that young receiver you were talking about that you wanted to see uh, Sigmund Bloom go with? Was that Alec Pierce by any chance? Alec Pierce is the perfect pick, and I cannot believe he wasn't paired with his quarterback, Matt Ryan, and I cannot believe he's in the 17th round. He's going to be one of your favorite words, uh, Bucky, the de facto number two receiver uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, and they uh, a team which uh, also has a very good tight end on the bench that hasn't been picked. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I I don't think people understand this player. Um uh, for who he is, and they'll catch up with that in the preseason. I do not understand Donovan Peoples-Jones making his way into the 17th pick because uh, – or 17th round because uh, this is this is a player that that uh, is, is soon to be the next Marquez Valdez-Scantling in a situation that can take the proverbial top off the defenses. Uh, Curtis Samuel, we've talked about on the show – he should go 17th round in redraft. He should go much, much higher in this format. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crazy about my Scott Connor. Uh, he, he got Tolbert, Bourne, and DJ Shark. I would have rather had uh, Donovan Jones mixed in, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones mixed in with that uh, Tolbert pick. So it's just about who you like. You've got that friend, Balky, a notable fantasy player. You know, KJ Hamler, another pick. I love all the receivers in the 17th round. My <laughs> goodness, I should have I, I would have been drafting running backs early. The um, um, your your friend that says there's never a bad pick uh, in the double digit rounds. Well, Joe Delzanero, yeah, Baker Boy loves it. The, the, the Baker Boy is right, but there's some picks I like more than others. And uh, you talk about stack uh, with what's happened here in the 18th round. You talk about stack with our uh, team number seven. Uh, I, I kind of like what's going on late here at the running back position. All right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room here in the 17th round. Rob Gronkowski. To yeah. Now, we know what he said 
We know what he doubled down on, and we know what he reiterated on that double down. I am done with football. I'm not coming back. Yet his agent says, eh, I don't know. His girlfriend says, eh, it doesn't seem like this is the final retirement. So Evan Silva, you know, betting on that, that um, this is a good investment in the 17th round. No waivers in this. So you can't dump Gronk. Like, you got to keep him on your roster the whole season. Farrell, is Rob Gronkowski still in a tight end premium format? In the 17th round, is he still a solid investment there? Or would you rather go with somebody else? Well, yeah, and he drafted, he drafted Taysom Hill in the 16th round. And Gronkowski doesn't have a team. And I like Gronkowski better than <laughs> Hill there. So it, it, it's, you know, and he's got Travis Kelsey. And, you know, he's kind of just fooling around down here. But there is one young tight end I would like to see him take. And there's an old tight end that he could still take. I think he's just running out of players to take. I think that's exactly what happens here. Um, Gronk, who knows? Uh, (laughs) You know, and and so, yeah, it is worth the proverbial dart throw. He probably could have done it a little later, though, and got some of these players that are lining up and going to be in camp and going to be making an effort in week one. So I would, if I wanted to play that Gronk card, I would deal it off the bottom of the deck in round 20. Uh, 18th round, Wandale Robinson to Scott Connor, Baker Mayfield to uh, James Kearney. Rendell Cobb, the forgotten man in Green Bay, the new there forgotten man in Green Bay. Sigmund Bloom takes him there. Uh, Benny Snell goes to um, uh, David Garcia. Uh, remember, David Garcia did take Najee Harris in the first round. Will Fuller, also teamless, but he goes to Jared Smola. Rex Burkhead uh, off the board to Adrian Quintana. James Washington, the new Dallas Cowboy to Evan Silva. Deontay Foreman, the new Carolina Panther to um, uh, Henry Mudo and Jake Wade, followed by David Bell to uh, Shane Hallam, Jarek McKinnon, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Isaiah McKenzie are the final three picks of the 18th round. Um, what do you make of, uh, of, of Jarek McKinnon here to, uh, to Chris Carlson? Because this is a player who wasn't very good at the end of the regular season in 2021, yet he was very, very good in the playoffs, Farrell. Yeah. What, what type of Jarek McKinnon our fantasy owners in for this year if they draft him. It's interesting because I very much like what he's done with his young backs here. And he's playing McKinnon um, to step up and score for him twice, once or twice during the year. And there's capabilities of doing that. I would have to look at his, at his bye weeks to see how much study he put into it. But all in all, there's, there's nothing wrong with that pick. And there might be some guys that, that I would like a little more, but you certainly can't. You know, McKinnon's in the mix, and he's been successful recently. So why not? Let's One talk. About, let's let's talk about what's going on with Houston running backs. Okay. Well, we we can definitely do that. Are you just talking about it in general or in this draft? I'm talking about in this draft. Okay. So so Houston running backs here as we look forward here and oh God, my my screen is at a bad spot right now. All right. Mm-hmm. So so you are looking at I almost called them Rockets running backs, Texans running backs here. Uh, in this draft, and Farrell, I see. No, I don't see. Um, I don't see any of them. Am I missing it? Uh, yes, you are. One, two, three, four, five, six. Team number seven, Balky, starting in the twelfth. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, Marlon Mack um, is uh, is who uh, Adrian Quintana gets in the sixteenth round. Uh, Rex Burkhead also uh, in the uh, in the eighteenth uh, round to Adrian Quintana, and then go up to the twelfth round, Balky. And already had that? Damian Pierce. Already, yeah. thank you. This is so a clean is, sweep. This is why he's the best in the business, people, because he's like my producer slash co-host. He, he tells me <laughs> everything that's going on that I'm not seeing it. Houston Texans trio 
stack in yeah. a 20 round draft. Yeah. And it sounds like you're on board with this type of strategy, Farrell. Well, I, I am this late. If you know, if you're going to take pot shots at at it, uh, and I believe Marlon Mack may emerge there as the number one fantasy scorer. Rex Burkhead always seems to put points on the board. As I recall last year, I think it was last year, he had a 20-point game one week. Yeah, and, he did. You know, the the we just talked about rookie running backs with promise. They're giving the ability to develop. Um yeah, this is this is a team that uh, has a, certainly a lot of question marks, but when you can lock up their entire backfield between the 12th and the 18th round, why not be in business with the Houston Texans? Um, the day after Christmas last year, Farrell, in a 41 to 29 victory over Los, the Los Angeles Chargers, Rex Burkhead, 22 carries, 149 yards, two touchdowns, two catches in that game as well. Rex Burkhead, my God, God. this is what makes fantasy football awesome and why it makes it suck is because it's (laughs) like that and not necessarily in that order, but we love it. We love Rex Burkhead on this show as well. In fact, I think I named, or if I didn't do it last year, one of my Kentucky team names this year is going to be named after Rex Burkhead. Uh, So that'll be exciting. I love Rex Burkhead. Uh, So that is what's going on with Adrian Quintana grabbing three Texans running backs here. And now we are in the 19th round, Boston Scott and Hassan Haskins lead off the the uh, the 19th round to Daniel Osorio and Mauricio Gutierrez. Greg Dulcich, the uh, rookie tight end from Denver, is the third tight end chosen by Chris Carlson. Tyler Conklin, the third tight end off the board to Shane Hallam. Sammy Watkins, the new Green Bay Packer, to uh, Mudo and Wade. A.J. Green to Evan Silva. Adam Troutman to Adrian Quintana. Terrace Marshall is the fourth consecutive receiver uh, to go to Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com, as he is loading up on the receivers. I believe he has nine of them now. Let's see what he does in the last round. Uh, Damian Williams, the third consecutive running back, chosen by David Garcia. Devin Duvernay from Baltimore is going to Sigmund Bloom here in the penultimate in his penultimate pick, followed by Eno Benjamin and Julio Jones, a teamless Julio Jones to Scott Connor. Farrell, what do you do with when – I mean, we're still in July, and we got a good you know, five weeks or so until the season starts – maybe six weeks until the season starts. What do you do with guys that are unsigned free agents? You know, the the Will Fullers, the Julio Jones, the David Johnsons of the world. Are they worth dart throws uh, at the end of the draft like this? Or do you usually go with a guy that currently is employed by a team instead? The favorite wide receiver I like in the 19th round is Devin DuVernay. Um, but I think I could have found uh, someone better than than Julio Jones, but you know Scott Connor right before took Wandale Robinson, and there's his dart throw, and you know so he's under he's understanding that someone in the NFL will take a look at Julio Jones and say you know what uh, this guy could, has got some gas left in the tank can help us win some games, and there's no reason that, that may not happen. So uh, I, I'm not real. Uh, I don't think I would have taken that player, but I'm not going to put together a, an argument for it. And they're, they're bringing some 20th round wide receivers that are all over the spectrum of uh, young players and older players. And, and you know, I've got my favorites, and we've talked about Duvernay. Uh, we don't know what he's going to bring to the table, but he is going to be on the field uh, uh, for the Ravens. So, you know, that's why he becomes my favorite player. I know he's going to be on the field for a team that – has to put the ball in a playmaking uh, wide receiver's hands. 
Uh, my apologies to our next guest, uh, uh, who has been waiting a while. I'm just noticing it now because I'm still getting used to this software. So my apologies. I'm going to bring him on right now. But this is the the start of the 20th round. This is the round that Shane Hallam took Dalton Schultz last year, Pharaoh. Wow. Uh, took, took Dalton Schultz in the 20th wow. round. We'll point that out as we bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. You already heard from his drafting partner earlier in the program. Let's bring in Team One, Daniel Osorio. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hey, Sorry Daniel. for keeping you on hold for so long, man. No, it's okay. No worries. You guys got to do your thing. And, you know, we're still drafting and making sure that 20th pick has the best value. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yes. that's the whole idea. You get the 20th pick right. Uh, worked out for Shane Hallam last year. Um, there is some buzz on Twitter. You guys are really doing a good job with your late-round receivers here. Van Jefferson, Marvin Jones, George Pickens, Isaiah McKenzie. Are you pretty happy with those receivers oh, after you only oh, had three yeah, of them definitely. for 10 rounds? I'm pretty happy with the way this whole draft has turned out. Uh, we hit – I know Nico touched on it, but we really hit – with our Waller car combo, you know, doing the stack with, with Las Vegas. And Tyreek Hill, as he mentioned, but I'll mention it again, why is he going right there in that spot? You can't pass the Amazing. You can't you do it. it. So it you really guys are the double digit darlings of this draft. Look at you guys. It's a fantastic job. Thank you. So, I mean, we, the draft couldn't went any better. We really try to map out the strategy and how potentially it was going to work. We've already done some FFPC best ball drafts prior to this draft just to prepare, which for everyone in the audience is a great idea for you to do. I mean, and they're still offering great prizes. So uh, it's a great training ground to really prepare for this style of draft. So, Daniel, um, we talked about your the the all-guyer pick when we had Nico on, and I said how he has been rising up draft boards. Did you guys feel like, okay, if we want all-guyer here, we, we sort of got to grab him at 12 because he won't be around much longer after that? Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, we had him pegged around those rounds, uh, and he has been climbing up draft boards. Having said that, uh, sometimes a lot of players don't get the proper – we feel the proper draft position just based on the team, right? That team, that team's new with a new quarterback in Mariota. Uh, they're missing Calvin Ridley this year. But those players are still in position to be number ones. And just because yep. you're grabbing them late doesn't mean they're not going to get points. So we're really happy with that pick. And I know that Nico was on earlier, not to cut you off, but he was explaining how we were potentially going to go wide receiver. And right. we were. We were looking at several wide receivers at that spot. But we just felt that uh, Algier was too good to pass up. And Daryl Henderson has provided uh, for the Rams, uh, depending on how Cam Akers ends up, you don't know that, as, as a good solid RB2 with potential RB1 uh, potential every week. So we just couldn't pass on those upside running backs at this point in the draft where we felt we could get the certain wide receivers later in the draft, and we did. So we're I've got a favorite Rams running back that I'm waiting for you to take yeah, here. You oh, well, you know what? Mr. Irrelevant, here he comes. Yeah, they're going to surprise me. Uh, so I told Nico and uh, my other partner, Big Narf, to oh, – and Big Narf's in on this too. Yeah, <laughs> and so is Big Ed. He's on my left. But I told them to surprise me with this last pick and see what comes out. I'm not too sure what they're going to do, but I left it in their hands. Uh, we're all experienced, high-stakes players, so this pick shouldn't be any surprise, whatever it's going to be. Oh, Gronkowski's already gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is exciting. So is this – okay, and here it is. Oh, the, pick yeah. is in. the pick is in, ladies and gentlemen. And the final pick of the draft is indeed Mitch Trubisky. Um, so you guys get a third quarterback there. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Daniel, do you guys, so are, are you guys all co-managers for the FFPC main event when you're drafting? 
So, you know, what we do is we're like a collaborative of high-stakes fantasy players, right? So Nico right now is based out of Texas. Uh, Big Narf is out of the Bay Area. Me and Big Ed are in Central California. And we really uh, share our draft philosophies with each other. But when we go to Vegas, yeah, we do co-manage some teams. And uh, we sit with each other to help out. We do have a, a base of what we believe will work. And we let the individual player, based on their knowledge and based on their uh based on who might they like, but still under the same philosophy, pick who they feel is going to be the best fit for that particular team. So uh, we have around nine uh, individual managers under our, our group, which is the Silicon Valley Fantasy Football Club, which is VFFC. And we really believe that what we're doing works. Uh, Big Narf almost took the whole tournament in 2017. Uh, we've had a, a Davod, which is another guy out of uh, San Francisco area, almost take it in 2018 and 2019. So we've come close with what we feel is going to be uh, our philosophy to win. And this year it's a million dollars. This year is a million dollars. So uh, we come in as a group and it, for us, it's really a great time. We share, we, we bond as brothers. We're all coming from different families. And, uh, but at the same time, we love fantasy football. So we do help each other out. And our whole philosophy is 2717 is to make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. I love it. Daniel, did, did, is your family of the, of the SVFFC, has it grown? Has it, has, it, has it grown exponentially over the years? Yeah. So right now we do have even uh, we have a female player. Her name is Stacy. Uh, she's on the team learning how to play fantasy football. Uh, we have a newer blood. Nico is newer. He's younger, as you've seen. But I, I believe that Nico is the future of our Nico group. Nico is the future. Mm. Yeah, and, Nico. you know, there's a lot of these Stacy girls getting wear around in fantasy football. We're, all, <laughs> we're crazy about all the Stacys uh, in fantasy football. And I, I tell you what, um, so there's about 10 of you. If you would uh, decide to come to the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, nine of you can stay in one room, and I, as the commissioner, will buy Stacy her own room. So okay. we'll, we'll be ready for you guys. So it'll be I great. I will take you up on that offer. I've met you in Vegas several times. Uh, let's do it. Uh, I will contact you offline and get your information. And me and Nico, we, we travel for fantasy football. <laughs> well, Nico's already, he's in Texas. He's already halfway here. So, yeah, yeah. we're all right. So, we're let's do it. Thank you for the offer. I appreciate You're that welcome. for throwing it out there, and we'll do that. All right. So, Daniel, you, you are, um, you're in the, the catbird seat here right now uh, since you are the final guest of the program tonight. Give us your favorite pick of your team tonight, and then give us the pick you're most nervous about. Oh, definitely the Tyree Kill pick. There's no way he should have been there. Uh, we've seen him live uh, play in Kansas City. Uh, he's just an electric player that could take a swing pass for 90 yards. Uh, I know he's with Tua this year, but that doesn't even – it shouldn't matter that much. I know it's a drop-off from Mahomes, obviously. But he is going to be the focal point of that offense. There's no way they're, they're not going to give him the rock to score for that team, which in turn relates to fantasy points. So I love that pick at, at that. The one pick I'm a little nervous about, I want to say, is J.K. Dobbins coming off an ACL injury. But our thought process since we did uh, select Lamar Jackson was to to team up that that particular uh, Ravens backfield ground game. And whoever's going to score the points is either going to be Jackson on the ground or it's going to be J.K. Dobbins. And there's some flexibility in terms of his recovery time since uh, Lamar does run the ball quite often. So, um, But I am a little nervous about that pick because ACLs are ACLs. And you never know how a player is going to return from that. Um, so, so when you look at this draft, Daniel, um, 
how does the strategy for this best ball tournament, or not best ball tournament, how this pros versus Joe's draft, how does this compare with the same strategy you're going to be use, utilizing in the main event? I would say one thing that is going to remain consistent is the stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, that stacking with that wide receiver or tight end with that QB, uh, just based on, on last year and all the teams that we had, it just – you get a lot of points. I mean, you know, I don't have to explain it to you guys. It's consistently big points when both players are scoring. And so it just puts you in a position to to win and get more points above your opponent. So that particular strategy is going to stay. Uh, in regards to the running back selection, that might change because obviously this is a best ball, right? Like Ronald Jones late. I do love that pick. Love that. It ended up being the running back one, and you're not spending any capital as far as draft capital on the pick. So, uh, but in, in, in a regular week by week format, it's a little different uh, because you have to actually swap out players. You can't just rely on the best ball scoring strategy, you know, the way the best ball uh, system works. So it might tweak a little bit in terms of our running back selection, but the QB wide receiver, QB tight end, that's going to stay the same throughout. Um, listen, uh, so good to have you on. So good to pick your brain, even if it's for a couple of minutes tonight, Daniel. Congratulations on your pros versus Joe's draft. Good luck, uh, not only in this league, but your main event league this year. And uh, we'll see you out in Vegas, man. Can't wait. We're only uh, a few weeks away. Oh, we're pumped up. We're ready. We go in like with a big group. And it's it's not only the drafting that's fun, but it's just the atmosphere that the FFPC provides. Uh, you guys are always hospitable to every person that plays. We enjoy the experience. So we will see you there. But before that, we're going to go to Kentucky. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to go to Kentucky. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. You, I'll touch this with you offline, and we'll make it happen. All right. Thank you. So I, I will see you in Louisville before I see you in Las Vegas. So this will be very exciting. Daniel, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming aboard. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. All right. Thank that you. was Daniel Osorio, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Team One tonight, the FFPC Joe, who had the first overall pick. Uh, good stuff from him. Good stuff from Nico as well, as we heard from both those guys. A consortium uh, that is not only coming to Las Vegas, Farrell, but will be uh, maybe taking down the KFFSC main event this year. We'll never, we, you know, we won't know for several months away, but be excited to see those guys uh, in Louisville. Oh, I was campaigning for a late Kyron Williams pick, right? I there. knew you were, and I, I knew you were getting at that, but I didn't want to say anything. I was just, you know, it, I, I would have loved that pick. That would have, but you know what? They, they really surprised me with what they were able to accomplish in the double digit rounds. And I, you know, I think it started with Carr. They got a Raider in the magic, you know, they, they got the Raider quarterback and the magic just, just trickled on down from there. And I like their Cameron break pickup because yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it, it uh, Kyle Rudolph went in the middle of the 20th bulky and that would have been, there would have been an interesting stack. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think they needed a four tight end, but if there was going to be one, the, the Rudolph break stack uh, would have been, uh, yeah, I, I like their players. Um, well, I like doing this broadcast with you tonight. Yeah, man. it was fun. This is fun. Calling, uh, calling the action. Uh, let's just do it again tomorrow. We'll we'll do it a, uh, an hour later instead of eight seven central. We'll come on nine eight central. We start at nine. Okay. We start at nine. That's we the plan. Farrell, that. thanks so much. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, man. See you then, brother. Farrell Elliott, the uh, definitive commissioner of fantasy football, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as you can follow him on Twitter at Farrell Elliott and at KFFSC. Uh, want to thank. Tonight's guest, Shane Hallam, Vico, and of course, Daniel Osorio 
from uh, from Team One tonight. The FFPC Joe is always good when uh, we can talk to some of these guys as they're drafting their teams. It was awesome. Uh, don't forget the main event early draft slot deadline is indeed tomorrow at midnight Pacific time. Make sure you have all your teams paid up. Get taking advantage of that four hundred dollar additional team discount, and uh, that way you will know what slot you are going to have for the main event on August first. That is a huge advantage. If you can get it, so make sure you're taking advantage. If you want to jump in the FFPC main event right now, no need to wait. Slow drafts are off and running. Multiple football guys drafts filling up every uh, day as well. In fact, we're trying to fill uh, the one at the top of the hour as well as the midnight one tonight. If you're looking for some action now that this broadcast is winding down, you can uh, put all the analysis you heard from our great guests tonight to winning a $500,000 grand prize in the Football Guys Players Championship. The inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament and the Best Ball Tournament with the FFPC still ongoing. Superflex getting very close to filling well over 70% of that is full. Dynasty Startups still available. We're going to do those for the next month plus. Uh, if you want a Dynasty 365-day challenge, uh, we've got the answer for you at myffpc.com. And you say, well, Balky, I'm not down for all these national tournaments. I just like, you know, filling up, you know, playing against 11 other people. You can do that too. We got plenty of satellites, um, best balls, classics, uh, Terminator formats, varsity formats, Superflex, whatever your favorite format is, we probably have it at the FFPC and you can play in those as well. Uh, join the KFFSC main event and the Run to Daylight Championship at KFFSC.com. Those are filling up as well. I'm in the midst of a Kentucky main event myself. And I would encourage you to come to Louisville so you can not only see Farrell, and they can not only see me, but you can see Daniel Osario and his crew coming out to Louisville this year as well. We will be back at 9, 8 central tomorrow. It is the Get Him a Body Bag League 2. The Joes participating tomorrow. Roy Perenzuela, Corey Hanstein, Michael Apt, a former Football Guys Players Championship overall winner. Michael Zuka, who we've had on the HSFF Hour before. Julio Fuentes, Josh and Laura Durham. We just had Josh on the show uh, about a month or so ago. And then, of course, Brian Harris who you can not only uh, you, you not only heard on the HSFF hour, he's been or he will be a guest on the road of his high stakes lowdown in about a week or so. So that's exciting as well. First time I'm announcing that the pros tomorrow, Hussein Aksu from the fantasy couch, Todd Burroughs from the run to daylight podcast, Jason Petropoulos from Brodo fantasy, uh, Peter Overzet from fantasy life will be participating tomorrow. John Hansen, from Fantasy Points and, of course, Fantasy Football Morning on Sirius XM Fantasy Football, uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. And then you have Curtis Patrick from Rotoviz, Ryan McDowell from Dynasty League Football. That is at 9, 8 central tomorrow. Thank you so much for watching. These draft boards will be posted on Twitter uh, within the next hour or two uh, via the FFPC the Twitter account, HSFF Hour Twitter account, of course, my Twitter account at Eric Balkman as well. Thanks so much for watching. Really appreciate it. We'll see you again tomorrow. Your week officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. One more thing uh, before I forget, and it's not that I'm forgetting. Sign up for the FFPC main event. Get your teams paid off by midnight Pacific time tomorrow. You could be the first ever season-long fantasy football millionaire, uh, and this is the way to do it. Strategize, get take advantage of every opportunity you can. This is one of them. You get your early draft slot. Um, you'll be able to strategize uh, and plot your way to a million bucks early. 
So take advantage of that. Midnight Pacific tomorrow. And we'll talk to you at 9, 8 central tomorrow as well.